Welcome to the Compassionate Capitalist Radio Show with host Karen Rands. A compassionate capitalist is someone who invests their money into entrepreneur endeavors to bring innovation to the market and create wealth for all those involved. Karen shares insights and best practices for entrepreneurs to succeed and investors to share in that success without all the risks. And now... Okay, welcome to the Compassionate Capitalist podcast and video for those that are watching today. And, uh, you know, if, if you've been tuning in, if you're a Compassionate Capitalist, if you're somebody that invests the resources, knowledge, wisdom, and money that you have into entrepreneur endeavors to bring innovation to the market, create jobs, and create wealth, part and parcel within that is a social aspect. And when I met my guest today, Dr. Laquita Bloxon, just say wave for everybody that is watching right now. I'm going to introduce her officially here in a second. I was like, this is really interesting. This is sort of aligned with what I talk about within Compassionate Capitalist, but it's a whole nother level of consciousness in how you are applying those resources that you have or the entrepreneurs themselves and their passion because that's the other side of compassionate capitalism, right? Because so you got capitalism that's the, the making of money, buying and selling of things and making money in the process of doing it. But then there's the compassion side, which is, a, is using that money in ways that benefit society better than just buying and selling stock and buying and selling real estate. And so, but then there's also this element that is the passion of an entrepreneur, the passion of a company. And what is it that they're so committed to that they're going to put their blood, sweat, and tears into to make happen, to be a change maker, which is a term that you might be hearing more often today. Um, and, and so how does that kind of come together with this? Because we have a lot of problems in our society that we have done a spotlight on as a result of our environmental issues that are going on as a result of this pandemic that shows our economic disparity the lack of access to healthcare and preventative health care for a lot of people the challenges that we have in delivering education into rural environments and poor communities and just so much that that many of us and uh, Dr. Blox is going to tell you quite passionately here in just a minute, many of us um, have been aware of, but um, just kind of, you know, oh, well, I, you know, it didn't affect me personally. So what am I going to do about it? Well, times have changed. And that's the reason why we are having this podcast today, because I want to use my opportunity, my um, platform to amplify that there that there are these problems and there are really smart people that are coming together to solve these problems in very innovative ways that create an opportunity to not only make money in it as a business or in a, in a deliverer of innovation as a, a capitalist, but also to have the social impact that says that, and, and, and this is part of what we'll be talking about because it's a big belief, I'm a big believer of this, that anybody that really, really understands economy, economics and business understands that you cannot operate isolated. You are integrated into your communities and into society and the problems that plague society will ultimately impact your business as we see right now in this pandemic if you choose to continue to ignore these problems and not be a part of solving them. So that's my 
my passion for this particular show and why I have this really outstanding guest with me today. So let me, let me make it official so you know why she's so outstanding. Dr. Laquita Bloxon is the founding faculty director of social innovation graduate program at the Agnes Scott, it's, this is a master's in social innovation program and she's gonna talk, it's really quite unique in that the fact that she's got this program going over there. So um, let me just say this also about her. So she is an organizational effectiveness scholar who conducts research on minority owned businesses, women in business and management, entrepreneurial ethics and urban and economic development. She was a co-investigator in an Ewing Marion Kaufman Foundation funded study regarding the success and growth factors of African-American led entrepreneurial ventures and has contributed to the National Science Foundation funded studies on social innovation and social venturing. Before joining the Agnes Scott faculty, she taught at Florida International University, the University of Northern Iowa, and the College of Charleston. Dr. Bloxon also serves as a research fellow with Rutgers Business School Center for Urban Entrepreneurship and Economic Development. Her teaching areas include social innovation, entrepreneurship principles, business and society, business ethics, strategy management, nonprofit management, philanthropy, and project management. Wow, that's a mouthful. And she is highly qualified to be talking with me about this today. So welcome officially, Dr. Bloxen. Thank you so much for being on the show. Well, thank you, Ms. Brands. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Absolutely. So clearly you are just shrouded with experience and knowledge in this space. So come to, tell, us, tell our listening audience, come to, uh, how did you come to be a part of, of this Agnes Scott program and a little bit of the history of Agnes Scott for those of ours. I mean, everybody in Atlanta knows who Agnes Scott is in the, probably the Southeast, but talk about because Agnes Scott in and of itself has a very storied history of creating women leaders. So talk a little bit about that as well. Absolutely. So I want to just say that Agnes Scott College, yes, it has a rich history of developing and um, educating women from all backgrounds and experiences and, and the like to be effective global leaders and engaging in those global challenges of today. And I'm very happy to say that Agnes Scott College for the third year in a row was noted to be by US News and World Report as being the most oh. innovative, number one innovative um, liberal arts institution um, in the country. So I'm really excited wow. about that. So I did not know that. That's good news. Yes, so third year in a row. So we just received that designation a few weeks ago. So innovation, innovative thinking, and entrepreneurial thinking, for that matter, is baked into the work that we do um, at the undergraduate level and also with our newer graduate programs. The social innovation program, which I lead, um, is in its second year. We just started with the first cohort in fall 2019. And this program was designed with a lot of what Agnes Scott mission in mind. As you can imagine, Agnes, Agnes Scott College, as a women's college, as a very entrepreneurial thinking college, is one where we want to be able to um, embrace the liberal arts tradition and to be able to bring a number of different um, theoretical and disciplinary lenses to the problems and the challenges that our students face and then when preparing them for their careers, the challenges they're gonna face as professionals once they leave campus. 
And so the social innovation program uses that liberal arts lens in a very, um, very thoughtful manner. So students are engaged in entrepreneurial thinking and design thinking and all the different lenses that we use within business and engineering and design and those disciplines, but it's also infused in the natural sciences and the social sciences in particular. So those angles um, and those lenses, theoretical and philosophical lenses are applied as well. So students get a chance to really explore what constitutes a social problem in the first place and how can using social innovation as a mechanism, how can social innovation as a mechanism allow for some of these otherwise very intractable social problems such as poverty, such as urban decay or, or health disparities or education disparities. How can we use entrepreneurship and how can we use design thinking and, and opportunity recognition to create organizations and ventures that produce goods and services and processes that can help address some of these issues? Okay, so yeah, so I think you were telling me before. So this was like a special program that they re that they reached out to you to help them put together, and then hired you to come in and actually run it, right? Because so exactly, yes, they did. <laughs> were you down at uh, were you down in, in Florida when you kind of got recruited away to go do this, or were you independent already? Um, well, I was actually, yes, I was not in Georgia at the time. I had just, well, actually, I just moved to Georgia at the point in time when um, this opportunity presented itself. So, yes, the college reached out to me as, on a consultative basis to um, help craft the curriculum. So, they recognized, given my scholarship, given the work that I've done, that I was, you know, able to um, be able to provide that subject matter expertise. Sure. And because of Agnes Scott's mission, and it's rich history and the, and the vision that it has for not just for its undergraduate programs and developing its students to be global leaders, but to also the, the foster that within the graduate programs, that's something I could buy into. And I said, okay, yes, let me craft a program that would be befitting a campus like Agnes Scott College. So we definitely use, again, the liberal arts lens. So for your listeners who may not be aware, there are different campuses and universities across the country that offer social entrepreneurship or social innovation programs or coursework. Oftentimes those programs or courses are offered within a particular school, such as the School sure. of Business, School of Engineering, School of Design, and in some cases, School of Public Policy. Um, but this is one of the few programs across the country we have at Agnes Scott that is not just in one particular lens or use one particular approach. We believe the interdisciplinary approach, the fact that students are taking sociology classes and taking courses in org theory and design thinking and philosophy and the like, as well as entrepreneurship classes, those are the classes I teach in entrepreneurial finance, that they are getting a wealth of experiences and being exposed to a variety of theoretical and disciplinary and empirical approaches that can really help inform their thinking from a holistic manner. Okay, and yeah. So when we developed the program um, for the college, they were, I guess, very impressed. They asked me to apply for, the, to lead the program. So I applied and competed and was offered the position. So I've been the director for almost 18 months. Very good, okay. So 
One of the things that, I mean, we were talking earlier about, you know, the idea of um, social entrepreneurship or social innovation is not new to the people that have been trying to solve these problems for decades. It's something that because of, of the, some of the issues that I highlighted earlier has, you know, put a spotlight onto some of this, but I want to uh, frame that and have you comment. I'm going to go, I, I went to the internet to find a, get a definition, right? And so social innovation is defined as the process of developing and deploying effective solutions to challenging and often systemic, that's a big word that people have been hearing a lot lately, social and environmental issues in support of social progress. Social innovation is not the prerogative or privilege of any particular organization, form, or legal structure. And I thought that was interesting after we, you and I were talking about, you know, how to address this topic. And, um, and it's like there are nonprofits that are working on it. There are businesses that are seeing a benefit. It's kind of like when I've done things on conscious capitalism and how and entrepreneurs and organizations decide they have a social responsibility. So, you know, talk about the evolution of this, of people becoming aware, businesses becoming aware, and sort of what do you see as triggers, if there's any particular issue that has really said, this is something um, that we need to focus on. They're kind of waking up and going, who's doing this? And then, of course, Agnes Scott is sitting there going, we are, we are, so. Great. Well, yes. So, and you provide a very um uh, comprehensive definition of social entrepreneurship, social innovation rather. And there are different, different, different definitions out there, but that's a very comprehensive one that you provided for our listeners today. And in that light, yes, there is no one particular organizational form that um, precludes social, you know, the applica application of social innovation thinking or, uh, or um, approaches. So yes, nonprofits have been engaging in certain activities that would lend themselves well to social innovation practices for, for, for eons in that regard. Um, entrepreneurial ventures, those who are, you know, individual owners and, and their partners and the like, you know, who all want to make a, a change and want to be able to use, you know, the development of certain products or services um, for the commercial space or, you know, and target customers to be able to raise funds or generate profitability that revenue that would allow for certain problems to be addressed. You know, there are individuals who have been doing that. And then, yes, we've had companies and corporations, particularly over the last 50 years or so, um, who have evolved over time to be able to appreciate whether it's the stakeholder approach, whether it's the idea of being able to um, up, uphold the uh, social responsibility principles and practices and and the like. So companies have been adopting over time and recognizing that one is yeah it may be the moral right thing or appropriate thing to do and socially responsible thing to do in terms of being a neighbor of choice, but also recognizing that customers and investors and and shareholders and the public at large and government and government bodies and legal bodies are now expecting and placing that demand on organizations to be more socially responsible, to be better stewards of the resources they have available to them and the like. Um, and they recognize a lot of organizations across the you know, various institutions are realizing that if they don't do certain things, they may be at their own peril. 
So the, the cool thing about with Agnes Scott is with our program, we're attracting a lot of individuals um, into our program. They're coming from a variety of different backgrounds and a lot of different experiences. Some who work or have worked in the nonprofit sector, some who've been business owners and now are trying to find ways to shift their business focus so that it can be more socially minded. Some who work in the corporate space now and they work within organizations or work in government agencies and they want to be able to affect change from within. So how can they speak a language and communicate um, way, you know, ways and practices that may, that companies and organizations can adopt to be socially responsible. And so we do that in our program. We provide that, those knowledge bases and skills and tools for our yeah. graduates yeah. to be able to do that. Okay, so that segues well into, so we talk, the social innovation is sort of the organizational perspective on processes and solutions. And then you have, so like, what is a social entrepreneur? So these are kind of like the doers, I think. It's like, a, so a social entrepreneur, Google, you know, definition, Investopedia, is a person who pursues novel applications that have potential to solve community-based problems. These individuals are willing to take on the risk and effort to create positive changes in society through their initiatives. So I think that leads into some of the things you were telling me about earlier about the difference of the kind of students, the ones that come with a passion, the ones that come to try to just want to figure out what, how's the best way to apply their knowledge and skills and stuff to something and look for problems. So some, you know, they come from different perspectives. So talk a little bit about the variety of your students and then how you help them navigate, whether it's their progress, their problem, the company that's sending them's problem that they're trying to solve, or just in general, they're looking for a, to be a change maker that they can then can go out and be a part of an organization that's doing something that's interesting. Absolutely. So we have students who are, they may have had from their lived experience, you know, an interest in addressing a social issue. And that could be whether it's dealing with climate change or in some, you know, or um, animal rights. We have a couple students who are dealing with, you know, questions regarding animal rights. We have some students who are um, developing, they're interested in um, finding ways to support various communities or people, you know, whether it's um, in racial, you know, in terms of racial ethnicity or whether it's um, through gender identity and the like, being able to find ways to foster those communities. Um, a number of different areas and um, poverty is definitely a big one and the different ways that poverty can be addressed. So we have a number of students who have different ideas on how they can address those different kinds of issues. So, uh, and trying to find ways to either develop products or services that can appeal to the general public that raises funds and the revenue is used to be able to help solve these issues and or in some cases be able to be the vehicle through which some of these issues are addressed. For instance, with some ventures that they're creating or ventures they're working with and partnering with right now and, and, and guiding along the way or some where they are trying to find ways to um, eradicate poverty or um, issues in terms of food, you know, access to foodstuffs or um, educational disparities or the, um, the yeah, disparities in education and quality and, and health disparities. So there are some students who are working with organizations that are doing that kind of work. And so they're, they're partnering with them and they're learning from them and they're giving them guidance. Um, and then there are others who are, again, they have ideas of their own. So they're using the coursework and the mentoring and the experiential um, opportunities that our program provides 
allowing them to be able to craft and launch those ventures. And the cool thing, just in case some of your listeners do not know, the cool thing is that now within the state of Georgia, particularly, oh. um, beginning January 1st, company, you know, those who want to launch an actual social venture or, or, what, or a benefit corporation can do so and have legal recognition for doing so. So previously, or at least, you know, prior to January 1st, 2021 in the state of Georgia, by the way, that if you want to create a social venture where you can have a social purpose for why you're doing what you're doing, whether it's a product that actually addresses that need directly or a product or service that can be sold to generate revenue to address the product, those venture owners and, and, and the like and founders did not have the luxury or the benefit or the privilege of being able to file as a or incorporate as a benefit corporation now becoming starting january 1st in the state of georgia by the way they will be able to do so and there are 35 other states that do allow for that legal designation which gives both investors or potential investors and funders and those involved with the venture the the recognition and understanding that the work that's being done with that venture is a socially minded one. So the returns that they otherwise may receive on their investment may be lower in some cases than the returns they may receive if they were investing in a traditional venture. Meaning um, their, their but, taxation on those returns. Um, there, yeah, there was some, there is some taxation, I mean, but from a legal standpoint, they recognize that any return on that investment may be lower overall. So if an investor, for instance, or an angel investor want to invest a certain amount of money into a social venture and seek a certain level of return after five years, they would understand and be willing to say that the return they would get on that, that certain amount of money for that social venture, they're willing to take a lower return on that investment than if they were to take that same amount of money and invest it in a traditional venture. So, so it's sort of like formalizing this concept of the double bottom line. And that is one mechanism to be able to allow that. Yes. Yeah. So, well, because when we would sell, when we would talk to investors about like businesses that, you know, are doing benefit, right? They're benefiting the economy and be like, well, there's a double bottom line. There's the bottom line. That's the financial side of it. And then there's the bottom line that's here's their, their impact on the community. And so you get the double benefit. That's kind of how we yes. had always used that yes. concept was that, you know, you got two benefits within that and it's, you offset the financial one because they're reinvesting so much more of the money into the impact that they have rather than just pulling it out for the capitalist reasons. Exactly. So, yes. So that is a, a legal form, you know, a legal means to be able to recognize and, you know, the double bottom line that is otherwise embedded within a social venture or benefit corporation that otherwise may be assumed in a traditional organization, but may not necessarily be codified the same way. Yeah. And now just then for, um, just so we kind of clarify, because you, you, you described a couple of different types of areas that this may be. So if, um, it, when somebody's on the island, they're going like, well, the social this, social that, um, I, you know, how, what is, how does this, like, I don't, I, I'm trying to wrap my head around it, whatever, because they've just done traditional software company or something like that. So 
Would it be like, for example, there's uh, like a, a so I'm going to give you a couple of, of varieties of, of kinds of companies. Mm -hmm. And then you can say, yeah, that would be something that somebody might work on through our program. Or no, that's really not something like that. Okay. So say somebody was developing a software package that, um, that was uh, providing wellness care through telemed to make sure that elderly are eating right. And because I, like, I know the med, like Medicare and Medicaid has been focusing on wellness versus just treating problems, trying to get us healthier and incenting doctors to do that way. And there's been a couple of different attempts to how do you automate that and make it affordable for doctors to do that. And so, you know, so an application that was along those lines that is um, working towards that end, now there's a, a profit motive on it, but it's also a wellness motive on it. And so that's one thing that maybe would they, would have to say, well, so put that, that's sample A, to tweak it where it would be more within this or that kind of, I don't know how broad the definition is. So then there's another organization that in the way they're making a consumer product and the way that they have designed to uh, manufacture this, the, it, the, it's a textile and the textiles that, they, that they're using have a zero carbon impact when they use that. And therefore when they, they're making a quality product that people want, but you know, people may or may not buy it for that environmental reason. But then, out of that, they're also going to set aside some, a certain amount that is going to um, benefit clean water in rural communities and things like that. So that's like B. And three would be a big company that might be trying to solve the digital divide by providing uh, low orbiting. Uh, uh, Wi-Fi that people, you don't have to lay cables in order to get uh, internet capacity to rural communities because it's very expensive to lay cables, but you could put these things up that would connect and provide a blanket of coverage that would benefit third world countries that are, have struggled with this, but also our rural communities that to be able to get access to telemed as well as distance learning and things like that. So those are our A, B, and C. So one's a business, they're doing something else. C is that this is just an, a, a profit motive for they, that they might have, but they might be incented by the government to provide it for free into some of these communities. So as three examples, are they all totally in on social innovation and entrepreneurship? Or are they sort of do they fall within it or outside of it or talk a little bit about it from there? They're, they're hitting on different pieces of it. Okay. Um, the three examples you provide in and of themselves do not comprise ah. typical social venture. Your typical social venture is one where the focus and the mission of the venture is socially minded from the beginning and using and appreciating entrepreneurial approaches and design thinking approaches and using the tools that are available through business and entrepreneurship to again, advance a social purpose. So there, of course, there are organizations that are in the three examples you provided, they all in various capacities or in certain elements or certain areas are practicing social responsibility. And that's something we encourage highly and want all types of organizations, all three okay. examples you provide to continue to do and expand upon. Um, Social responsibility. Yes. Yeah, so okay. there. So in that regard, 
what we're talking about social innovation and social entrepreneurship as a means through which to accomplish change making and social innovation is you know individuals who purposely and intently from the beginning of their of the ventures founding want to be able to provide a so be able to fulfill a social purpose and will find the means through entrepreneurship to do so so we have some organizations for instance um, that may produce a product that again is sold to the general public that everyone wants and then but they recognize and the public understands that you know this product is being created whether you know being created to provide the resources to support these types of different activities or to address a social issue um, and then there's some organizations that will take it a step further and say we're not only just providing a product that the the public at large would like to you know purchase and use or enjoy or whatever but we have embedded within our practices in the organization ways that will also engage in social responsibility and social innovation for instance you know the people we hire who do we hire are and are we helping to address a social need by for instance hiring the chronically under um underemployed or are we in, employing formerly incarcerated felons who otherwise have a hard time trying to find you know meaningful work and um work that provides a living wage you know so they may say okay we're crafting this product we're providing this service and you know and the product and service that we're offering to the public you know the people who are doing this or producing it are people who otherwise wouldn't be employable so that's just an example um let me you interrupt know. you on that if i could because i just want to clarify because yeah. that because i have had businesses come to me and their sole employee base is one of these communities like there was a company that we raised capital for through our angel investor group that was making sterilized surgical packs and the only people they hired were disabled and blind and um they got special funding from a venture capital group they were uh, out of south carolina because they were employing 50 people or something to do these packs and the way they had designed their production line enabled that all that kind of stuff but they the term social entrepreneurship or social that it, it wasn't a term that we used as part of that raising capital but now it sounds like there's going to be money sources even actually look i mean that vc fund was doing it even though they didn't define it like that they were looking at that and then that company was doing it out of the goodness of their heart was that was their purpose of the way they were doing this and so they were there without having necessarily the label of of what we're talking about today so that sounds like what it would be in hindsight oh it was a social innovation company. that could be an example of one you're right and um and there are some criteria and some standards that um, B Labs have come up with that, um, and B Corp has developed to say, like, if you want to be, if you want your venture to be a certified benefit corporation, and this is in particularly for those organizations and ventures that are in states that do not yet legally recognize a benefit corporation's legal designation and registration then yes a company or a venture can use the rubric and the assessment tool the benefit of, you know impact assessment tool um, to be able to assess to what degree its operations its purpose its mission the products and services that it sells or provides to the public 
to what degree does it meet certain criteria to then be able to be designated as a benefit corporation, a certified benefit corporation. So the example okay. you just provided, um, that venture, you know, because of who they hire and the practices they engage in um, to be able to support, again, a, 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 a group of individuals who otherwise may be dip, difficult to seek, you know, find work for themselves. Um, yes, and using that as a platform to provide economic vitality for the employees as well as within the community in which they are located and they serve. Um, yes, they would meet, you know, those criteria, you know, with some of those criteria within that um, benefit corporation impact assessment that would allow them to otherwise say if they met the threshold and met the requirements through that assessment, they would be able to then promote themselves and put on their um, websites and materials and the like saying that yes, we are a certified benefit corporation because we have checked off these boxes. We have met these standards. We are accomplishing these things. And it's part of our mission, it's part of our operations, it's part of our organizational strategy and our vision for the future. Okay, so that, I just had an aha moment. Benefit corporation is the way the government labels and recognizes social innovation entrepreneurship companies. Correct. That's a, okay. That I'm sorry that it took me that long to actually okay. get those dots, but yeah. that's, so that's the official sort of way that an organization will, I mean, as the government as to the, the, the IRS. secretary yeah. of state, the yeah, IRS, exactly. it's official. So, so, it's, a, it's as official as an LLC or a C corp or an S corp or now it's a benefit corp. Cause I've exactly. heard benefit corps all along and, you know, um, uh, and it had, and been, you know, but never really truly understood it as the designation for these social endeavors that we are discussing here today. Right, so a company, a venture that either starts out and signs up, you know, and registers through the Department of State and, you know, State, you know, State Department, um, you know, within their state and the IRS and all and saying that, yes, they are registering as a B Corp versus an LLC versus a partnership S Corp, C Corp and the like, then yes. And the, these are the guidelines and, you know, the, their, their board of directors and all and advisors, you know, officially are agreeing to that, yes, this is a benefit corporation. We realize what roles we play in, the, in that regard. And we communicate that to potential investors so that they understand what kind of organization this is. So again, now yeah. benefit corporation from the legal standpoint is separate from, you know, receiving um, a B certification where which any organization or any venture social venture can apply for and receive that certification which is again more like a norm and a standard versus yeah a legal designation yeah well it's like what you saw happening with organic right it it, it, it first it was the it was clear that these organizations these people or these farmers were organic and then all of a sudden it became the hot thing to enable everything organic. And then they had to come up with certifications to say, yeah, no, this stuff really is organic and you know, and all that kind of stuff. So, so then, so because nonprofits cannot receive venture like shareholders and, you know, and you, people go like, well, shouldn't they make some profit to cover their expenses? And so it's, instead of being a not for profit, 
but a non there's a difference between a non-profit and there's a not-for-profit and so now a benefit corp is somebody that's making money will give some back but it's a way for them to be able to receive funds um, as if they were a regular entrepreneur innovative organization you know they can attract that without having to um, you know forego the not profit non-profit kind of right thing. so they're not a non-profit and right. you know, so they're not tax exempt and right. of course just just make sure your listeners also know that yes non-profits can generate revenue and they can engage in revenue generating activities it depends on the nature of those activities and for what those resources or those revenues are used for um, makes a distinction to what degree they're tax exempt or not um, or what they have to pay taxes on and of course Yes. So yes, nonprofits, unless a nonprofit organization has a for-profit entity right. that helps, whereas resources and revenue helps to fund the nonprofit, then yes, and that can work. And then yes, shareholders or investors can invest in the for-profit arm of a nonprofit organization. Well, yeah, so they're distinct entities where one feeds the other or helps to support the other. Um, so yes, there are ways to be, you know, of course you have to talk with your tax attorney to do this, but nonetheless, there are ways to, where that can be done, um, you know, in general, but yes, you're correct. Nonprofits, they're not allowed to have any particular owner or shareholder or investor where the returns um, are then directed to any particular person or persons that have to benefit the organization as a whole. Okay. All right, so we have just a few more minutes left. Thank you for explaining all of that and you know, enlightening myself because I'm sure there are definitely some investors and entrepreneurs that uh, had some aha moments during that conversation. Anything that I didn't ask you that you want to share with folks um, about this? I also wanted, before we get off, I want to uh, make sure people know that they can go to the Agnes Scott. It's Agnes Scott, A-G-N-E-S-S, C-O-T-T dot E-D-U. And then if you drill down under graduate studies and graduate programs, you'll find a social dash innovation as a program there. And in the show notes, if you're watching this it, or listening to this, there'll be a link to the program itself where you can request more information and learn about that and get access and have a conversation, I'm sure. Dr. Boxing, you would be happy to talk to folks as well if they have questions about being a patron or being a student in your program, right? Absolutely. And so I do want to let sure, make sure everyone knows that our graduate programs at Agnes Scott College, um, you know, are, are not just women only. So even oh, though the program that, is thank you for clarifying that because sure. I was wondering so, about that. Okay, all right, you know, so we do have men in our graduate programs, absolutely. Um, so I want to let you know, you know, so regardless of one's gender identity, um, can attend Agnes Scott College's graduate programs or um, postgraduate or extended programs, certificate programs that we offer. Um, only the undergraduate programs are for women only. Um, so that's the first thing. Second okay. thing I want to make sure people know is that the, the program that we offer for social innovation can be um, taken in part-time or full-time. So the classes are offered in the evenings and in some cases on weekends. So depending on the course, um, you know, there are some courses that are offered on Saturday mornings or on Saturday, Saturday afternoons. 
Um, so this is a great program. Many of the students in my program, Social Innovation, are actually part-time students because they work during the day, whether they work for their you know, nonprofit organization or their corporation or, or the like, or some other organization. <laughs> and then in turn, they take classes at night. So this 11 course program, students, if you're on a part-time basis, uh, can realistically complete the program in five semesters. So students who started last fall in fall 2019 will be able to, if they stayed on track, which pretty much all of them have stayed on track, um, will be able to graduate in spring 2021. So I'll have my first set of graduates um, from our first cohort this coming spring. Oh, that's so exciting. It is exciting. So, um, and the rates that we charge are relatively reasonable. I won't say what those rates are right now, but you can go to the website <laughs> yeah. um, to find out. But the um, rates are reasonable. And of course, students, if, you're, if your organization does not provide tuition reimbursement, um, there are ways where we can give you some um, guidance regarding um, loans and other funds that may help to support your educational endeavors in that regard. That's very good. Really excited about that by this program. Yeah. So I'm hoping that a lot of people will listen. And, and for those that are listening, if you are in an organization, if it's something that just, you know, share this podcast out with other people that you think are interested in. You got a young person that ha is in school and is thinking about what are they going to do after they're not, they don't really know they're, they want this is something they're passionate about then they should totally look in to get this master's program. And of course, you did say there was a certificate program. So um, not, for, not for social innovation. Oh, okay. um, there are other certificate programs that we offer as a college. But okay. right now, we only have the master's degree in social innovation. Okay. It's a master's right. arts degree. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So look at that then and, uh, you know, keep that in your, your back of your head to share with people because... Uh, very exciting. There's a lot of problems that we have to solve and a lot of motivated, enthusiastic, uh, innovative, talented, young and old people that are going back to figure out best practices to implement these ideas and things that they have on their own and with their organizations through the program like we have here at Agnes Scott. So. Thank you again, Dr. Bloxon, for joining in on my podcast and sharing your uh, real exciting things that are going on. I'm so glad that I was introduced to you through, it's the Georgia University Entrepreneurship Initiative. Yes, that's correct. Right, that uh, there's a lot, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, and you think about it only probably seven, five to seven years ago, did you start to see all these entrepreneurship programs popping up? When I went to school and got my MBA at University of Florida, they, there was no entrepreneurship program. I mean, you might have somebody talk about it within a class, but they were trying, they were really training you to go get a job at a corporation, right? And um, and fast forward, I went back and was an entrepreneur in residence at University of Florida, and it was quite amazing, all of these initiatives. And then I looked around, and it's like, uh, you know, Kennesaw was starting theirs, UGA was starting theirs, and they were just all over. There was hundreds of them. Now there's thousands of them, and you are blazing the trail right now with this social entrepreneurship program that I think you're, I mean, you are really a leader of the pack because it's uh, something that 
people are waking up to realize that they that we can apply the same sort of principles that we do to to just do these other things within this and together we can solve these problems and have a blend of of what we need from a social standpoint and what we need from a capitalist standpoint and let's put these together for the benefit of our communities and our society absolutely i couldn't agree more thank you so much all right, everybody, onwards and upwards. And if you're listening to the podcast, there's a little closer that you're going to hear right now. Thank you for listening to the Compassionate Capitalist Podcast Radio, where we encourage individual investment in entrepreneurs to create generational wealth and best practices for small businesses to succeed. Help us spread the word about compassionate capitalism by sharing this podcast with your friends and colleagues. The Compassionate Capitalist Podcast is available on most podcast platforms, including iTunes, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and many more. In production for over 10 years, there are over 180 episodes available for your listening and educational pleasure. With over 130,000 downloads, this podcast is rapidly becoming the top podcast for investors and entrepreneurs to get the information they need to create generational wealth through entrepreneurism. This podcast is brought to you by the Business Power Tools, which offers an online collaborative environment for leadership teams to prepare business plans, marketing strategies, financial modeling needed to attract capital and scale a business. Also, Lindio as a entrepreneur's resource portal providing access to dozens of lenders offering short-term and long-term debt to help business owners manage their financial cash flow and growth capital needs. BizX, creating affordable advertising resources and other tools for entrepreneurs to succeed and create awareness and trust with their customer base. And Launch Funding Network, part of Cougarand Capital Holdings. It's a network of hundreds of angel investors, investor clubs and networks, venture capital firms, private equity funds, family offices, investment bankers, and lenders. Please visit karenrands.co to learn more about the Launch Funding Network and our sponsors and to sign up to get our Compassionate Capitalist Coffee Break and learn more about how we can help you succeed.